When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Palagar Raven. Got to keep the intros different. Haven't lost yet. Nine wins in a row. The Baltimore Ravens, 11-2. and two. I'm excited. I'm Antonio Barbera. Feeling jazzed up for another episode here. I'm joined in studio, as always, by Tim Horsey. Tim, how you doing? I'm just more excited. I want them to keep winning, obviously, because I'm a Ravens fan, but I want them to keep winning because I want these to get weirder and weirder and weirder as we go throughout the season. I mean, if if God willing, Festivus happens and we get to Miami, you have to have the craziest intro for this podcast that anyone has ever heard. Um, but yeah, another another grinded out victory for the Baltimore Ravens, two in a row there. Uh, probably more encouraged by that than some of the blowouts a little bit. So I'm doing great, my friend. I'm going to run out of I'm already running out of cadences for how to say four words in yeah. a row pod like a raven but I'll I'll work at it. I'll work at it as hard as the Ravens have been working at it. And joining us back after a 2-3 week travel hiatus our West Coast correspondent Jace Evans. Jace, welcome back. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Antonio. It's been uh, delightful. Uh obviously I've missed doing the show. I was great listening to you guys the past few weeks. Uh but some great, uh, great few weeks watching the Ravens here. So uh, big fan. <laughs> now we're going to get into the Bills game in a second here, but let's back up a few weeks because we haven't talked to you since you took a trip to the Coliseum to watch the Ravens. Was that a 45 to six game? Was that one of those games where they six. won by 40 points? What was, was the, uh, how was the L.A. experience like? It was truly unbelievable to watch that in person. Just every drive, just they couldn't stop them. Man. It was astounding to see in person. Like you almost didn't process like you left your like did Lamar Jackson just throw five touchdown passes and he did it was awesome uh, the crowd pretty chill you know I don't think Rams crowds are exactly the most uh, 
rah-rah out there. And when your team's losing uh, 45 to 6, the DJ had a thankless job trying to fire up the crowd there in the fourth quarter when like RG3's taking snaps. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. I was uh, truly amazing to watch in person. And uh, I'm glad I made the decision to uh, pull the trigger and get tickets for it. The DJ wasn't popping up the crowd to get a third down stop against RG3. <laughs> yeah, and then like he hit that Miles Boykin pass anyway. It was great. I was that might have been my favorite moment of the day, truthfully. But <laughs> it was uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. You know, it's never a bad time to see your team win. And uh, I know Tim had that experience in a much more rainy uh, Baltimore the following week. But uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm glad I'm back here on the show. It's been. That game seems to me like a month ago at this point because afterward, as Tim, you alluded to, there's been some much tighter games now. They get grinding out the wins now, getting those December victories that get you that number one seed in the AFC. So the last one, the latest against the Bills in Buffalo, 24 to 17 victory. The Ravens now 11 and two again have won nine games in a row, have a two game lead for the number one seed in the AFC looking to get home field advantage this bills game some good some bad some ugly we have a special uh what's bothering tim this week for some of the ugly stuff but let's get to the good first uh tim i'll start with you what did you like uh out of the ravens this week the good is that it feels comfortable it feels normal it feels like the ravens from old it feels like my blood pressure (laughs) spikes to astronomical levels during the game i'm screaming obscenities i don't even think exist in the merriam webster dictionary and then after the game about 30 minutes later i'm i'm fine and i'm like who was that psychopath watching the game no the, the good for me we got to talk about it we had a little bit of a debate uh during the show in, in our text group that again we're going to open up to patreon in season two uh, to get in the pod like a raven text group the defense the defense is back the defense is finally at a level that we um that we know and love. And you talk about old, comfortable Ravens. A quick thing from our man, Jeff Zerebeck from The Athletic, the guy we always reference on this show. Heading into week five, the Ravens ranked 27th in total defense, giving up almost 400 yards a game, 23rd in scoring defense, giving up 25 points a game, and 30th in pass defense because of a banged-up secondary and a weak pass rush, giving up almost 302 yards a game. Now through 13 games where the Ravens sit 11-2. and two. They are now sixth in total defense, down to 314 yards a game, fifth in scoring defense, only allowing about 18 points a game, and ninth in pass defense, giving up just under 220 yards a game. The pass rush has showed up. Guys like Giad Ward, guys like Matt Judon, who is going to get paid this offseason, guys like Tyus Bowser, guys like sack daddy Jalen Ferguson, who is quickly becoming one of my underappreciated favorite Ravens, and... um, that's the that's the part I want to focus on. I'm sure we'll get to other aspects of the defense as well, but um, primarily very impressed with the defense all day. And then sp- specifically, excuse me, that pass rush was absolutely incredible. Yeah, they uh, they sacked Josh Allen, um, who a fairly mobile quarterback. Uh, he got sacked a season high six times on Sunday. Uh, and it could have been even more. He got out of a few of them, but they got after him and he had an abysmal day. Uh, truly the bills as a team, they didn't average four yards per play. They was 3.1. They barely averaged three yards per play. That's crazy good for an NFL team. And yeah, it got hairy a little bit at the end and we could go into the reasons why that happened. But 
for the bulk of this game, the Ravens defense dominated. And that was, I think, encouraging to see in a game where I think we can all admit the offense was not especially great. Yeah, the the Ravens defensively got back-to-back three and out. I should say, I guess, yeah, it was back-to-back three and outs uh, to start the game against the Bills. Allen looked not lost, but certainly uncomfortable, missed some open throws in, in those first few series, which I'm going to pretend is because he was really rattled by the Ravens defense and not that he just missed a couple of open guys. <laughs> not that uh, he's Josh Allen. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the Ravens get the field goal. It's a 3 nothing game, a few more punts. Josh Allen fumbles. Uh, the Ravens have a touchdown drive. It's 10 nothing At 10 nothing. I mean, were we was the game over in our minds? Like, was this like, oh, good, they've they've settled in. There's no way the Bills are going to score points in bulk. Uh, and the defense just sort of held on for the rest of the game and gave up a couple of small scores here and there. Um, 60 minutes, the defense looked good. A couple of spots here and there, I think uh, there were a few maybe alarming situations which we'll get into down the road. Yeah, I was going to say penalties were a problem. <laughs> Teasing for what's bothering Tim later in the show, because uh, <laughs> some of those were a little not justified, in my opinion. Um, the rushing defense, a little bit of a struggle. That's something that I didn't highlight from Jeff Zarebeck, because it's still getting torched a little bit. Devin Singletary, who I really, really liked as a running back there. Uh, first time I've really watched him play a full game. You know, I love the Bills, but don't watch all their all full, full 60 minutes of Bills games every week. 17 carries, 89 yards, averaging 5.2 yards a rush. That's got to come down because you say you thought the game was over. I was sitting in my apartment um, at 24-9, still screaming, still losing my mind, still thinking they're, they got to get another stop here, got to get another stop here. And um, Skyler, my girlfriend, was like, what are you doing? They're fine. It's 24-9. And as we'll talk about right now. The Bills drove all the way down the field to score and make it 24-17 to 17 after a two-point conversion. Jace, how concerned were you? Because I know behind the curtain a little bit, at the, at the time you were incredibly concerned. How concerned were you with that final drive from the defense? Yeah, so it's actually that second-to-last drive, I think, that concerned me personally more just because of how easy it was. You know, and we'll get into the offense in a second. They didn't have a great game, but they score and make it 24-9. And uh, Mark Ingram, who I love, and Willie Sneed, who is also on the team, uh, they were doing the uh, <laughs> they were doing the wave to the crowd thing, and I was like, uh-oh, this game's like, there's like 10 minutes left in this game still. Like, that's a long time for an NFL team. And I think that drive, the ensuing Bills drive, they basically drove down the field and it was seven play drive, but it was basically two plays. They hit admittedly a great catch by uh, their tight end Dawson Knox. Um, pretty good coverage by Chuck Clark. But uh, and then the next play, you mentioned Singletary. He ripped off a 38 yard run and they're inside the five yard line already. Um, and they obviously score to cut that to seven. I just think if you get a stop there at 24 nine games over, I think truly at that point. But they were able to get a score, and then you're, it, you know, then it's a one, and they get the two point. It's a seven point game, and you're like, all right, well, the offense hasn't been great. And of course, they immediately go three and out. And so then that's when I think the, the real danger side started going off for me at that point, uh, once the defense got the ball back. But to their credit, they did the a, a somewhat classic Ravens move of, uh, the mid to uh, 2010s, which is bend, but don't break and uh, a fantastic play. 
um, by Marcus Peters there at the end to uh, seal the win. I mean, yeah, listen, you're right, Jace. But for me, that touchdown drive is at they're going to score points at some point. I mean, they're not a nine and three at the time, not a nine and three team for nothing. Right. They had nine points at that point the entire game. Right. They got two good plays in a row. And out of that, we're able to get nine po- or eight points, which is a little frustrating. But the two point conversion for then this is just something I have to get off my chest. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved it when they scored a touchdown and then decided to go for two on this possession instead of waiting until the end of the game so they knew what they had to do for the rest of the game. It's very simple to understand why they did it, and yet both announcers are losing their mind. I'm not going to say the names because everybody knows who they were at this point, but the announcers are losing their minds and they don't understand why the Bills would go for two now as, as opposed to at the end of the game. This has happened before in the NFL. We, If we have seen this in games and understand why the Bills are doing this, how are two professional CBS commentators unaware? But anyway, they were able to get it very easily, uh, which <laughs> broke the Ravens bend but don't break uh, philosophy because they'd given up eight points there. But yeah, I mean, I, I sort of viewed it as, listen, they were going to get the touchdown at some point, but I never really was feeling threatened that the game was was out of hand until those penalties on the on the next drive, which uh, then made me sweat a little bit. more. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Dan Fouts doesn't know anything about football anymore. He's been hitting the head one too many times. Fun fact, not going to be what's bothering Tim later in the game, which you probably could have assumed would have been after just another diabolical performance from Dan. And you know why it's not, by the way, to get to the commentating thing just a little bit. I think my brain has actively tuned him out where I hear Ian Eagle and, and yeah, Ian kind of had a shocker on that two point conversion doing doing the simple maths there. But I've gotten to the point where I hear Ian Eagle, he does the play, and when the analysis comes in, I just hear white noise or just like the, the crowd <laughs> noise. It's like when you're in Madden or FIFA or any video game and you can turn down the commentators. I have like a Fout slider that I've just put at zero and now it's bliss. I just don't hear him. I don't hear any of his stupid comments to ruin a potentially great game. And that all aside, your point is very, very well taken. The Bills are nine and three or nine and four now, I should say, for a reason. I think the Pats are going to have a tough time with them for a reason. Part of that is not their offense. I think their defense can keep them in any game. Um, you know, we'll talk about our offense in a bit, but they had some stat, which I thought was pretty interesting, that the Bills are very, very good at stopping you at the line of scrimmage in terms of the running game. Once you get to that second level, they were like 30th in the league on allowing runs over eight to 12 yards or something like that. But they did a very, very good job. Ed Oliver, who I believe is a rookie. Um, yep. Yeah. Thank you, Jace. Was incredible, handled Marshall Yonda on a few occasions, which you don't see very often. But back to the defense. Another guy before, because I know we have to move away. Another guy I have to praise who I tell you what, if I knew he was going to be on this team long term, if there wasn't another guy coming back from an ACL injury who has a big contract, he might be flying up my jersey rankings. And that's Chuck Clark. The man is an absolute monster making keys, at the, making key plays at the right time, whether it's in the secondary or in the backfield. He shot through the offensive line a couple of times to bring down part of being bringing down Josh Allen on a few occasions, I believe, just in terms of the rush, bringing down Singletary in the backfield as well. The guy's a leader on the field. He's a smart footballer. He's calling all the plays. You've heard me preach about him the next time Thursday night when you're watching this Jets game, if if. Especially let's if if it's a blowout and you need something to really really watch to keep you in tune, watch number thirty six on the defensive side of the ball for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a ball hawk. He lines up sort of everywhere, whether it's deep with Earl Thomas. If Earl Thomas is going deep, he'll come up on the line of scrimmage. He plays linebacker at some points. There was a point when he went out 
and it looked like an injury. And I was very concerned because that guy has been just so, so important to this Ravens defense so far. So just another shout out for that guy, Chuck Clark, a guy that key in on him when you're watching the defense. I know I'll be at the bank on Thursday night watching the game. I'm going to be fired up watching this defense go at it again, making Sam Darnold see ghosts. But I'm really going to be keyed in on Chuck Clark because I just think I love watching that guy play. Calling the plays defensively yes. and leads the team in tackles. Yes. For, for a former third string strong safety, by the way, who had to have two knee injuries in guys in front of him to actually see any playing time. All right. So let's before we move to the offense, let's talk about the penalties a little bit. Let's talk about that last drive. Uh, I know normally we do good, bad, ugly in order, but some of these things kind of work together. So let's just knock out the defense first. I'm 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 going to save, you know, the what's bothering Tim. I don't want to take away from that <laughs> from that segment because it's going to be a good one. But there's a combination between officiating and then just bad plays defensively, and you can have both at the same time. You know, those things aren't mutually exclusive. On that last drive, Jace, I think you have the exact numbers, but it was multiple personal foul penalties and then the deep pass interference penalty, and all of a sudden the Bills are in the red zone? Yeah, it was uh, three penalties for 56 yards on that final drive, (laughs) Um, uh, which I guess is maybe why the second-to-last series I was concerned with the defense more because at a certain point this wasn't even really uh, defense. Certainly the Jalen Ferguson thing, they just never showed what happened at all. Like, we still don't know. I think anyone knows what happened on that one. Michael Pierce roughing, pretty ticky-tack. I, I did not like it. I see. I can see why, but that's 30 yards. And then the Marlin one looks worse and worse every time I rewatch it. At the time, I thought it was a clear penalty, but then you Beasley really... Uh, really oh, worse and worse one. you think it looks like less of a penalty i thought oh, you were going the opposite direction no, i think it's yeah i think it's less like a good acting job <laughs> i'm more. sorry i'm sorry i'm doing it here i'm doing it here because i can't <laughs> wait until later in the podcast to do this welcome to what's bothering tim about the total incompetence of nfl referees michael pierce barely hits a guy jalen ferguson You don't even see what happens. And then here's the best part. Here's the best part about all of this. There's another, the Earl Thomas play. He gets an unnecessary roughness for being pushed by his own guy. He got hit by his own guy. Pushed into the pile, basically. And they call it on Earl because the guy just wants to be in front of the camera. I'm sorry you got picked last in every sport in middle school and high school. And now you're trying to take it back on all the actual athletes. You are ruining the experience for every single fan in there. Cole Beasley deserves an Oscar. Good for you, man. Marlon (laughs) trips on his own feet, feels a fingertip go across the number 10 on his back and flops over like a soccer player. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing, and the flag comes out. Oh, God forbid you hit the offensive player. Flag comes out. And stop, stop. And I've said this multiple times before, but stop protecting the quarterbacks this way. I, I believe it's the it's the Michael Pierce one where he's coming around, or was somebody trying to strip sack Josh Allen? I can't it, it might have been Judon, it might have been Ferguson, I can't remember who it was. They're coming around the end, and he goes up for the ball, he misses it. And maybe a fingernail, maybe a fingernail swipes the back of Allen's helmet 15 yards. Guess what? They put on the pads the same as every other player out there. I get protecting them at the knees when somebody's coming down in there. I get it's unfortunate when a guy gets pushed down and he hits the knees of a quarterback and you throw that. I get that they're, uh, they protect them a little more, but this is pampering and it's absolutely ridiculous. And to your point, Jace, the worst part about it all, the worst part about this 
is the Ferguson one is a great example. I, I think back to my father who uh, used to annoy me when I was an angsty teenager when he would go, <laughs> show the replay, show the replay. You know what? Show the replay because the referee <laughs> isn't explaining why it's a personal foul whatsoever. All they're doing is going, oh, unnecessary roughness. Just trust me because I'm an NFL referee and we're moving right on. <laughs> I didn't like Ed Hockley. I thought he was full of himself. But the one thing Ed Hockley did that I always appreciated is he explained why a penalty was a penalty. He told you why that was a problem. He told you why he thought it was an illegal play. Now, half the time he was wrong, but at least he was giving me some sort of information. It has gotten so bad in the National Football League at this point that they're blowing games for the Patriots. We've never seen this before. We'll get to this later in the NFL recap. The Patriots lost a game thanks to bad NFL refereeing. End scene. That's how bad this has gotten. I keep every time I was like Walt Anderson at first couldn't stand having him. There was a couple of other NFL referees who, you know what? I don't even need the headspace to remember their names because they're not worth it. That I was listening to people who I never want them to ref a Ravens game ever again. It's gotten to the point where it's over half the freaking cruise. I, now, man, now I'm feeling like I was during the game. I'm all worked <laughs> up, but I just I'm, I'm sorry for blowing up the run down there. I just can't contain it anymore. The defense. Look, if you make stupid mistakes, that's on you. But some of these were just egregious refereeing calls just so they could show their face on television. And I can't stand it. That was what's bothering Jace with Tim Horsey. Next week, we'll return <laughs> to our regular scheduled programming with Jace Evans. You're right, Tim. I, I mean, of all of those, they're all bad. The one that actually bothered me the most, and I guess I can't really, I don't have much of an opinion on the Ferguson one because I have no idea what happened. But the one that really bothered me the most was the Michael Pierce one slamming the running back down. Oh, yeah. Completely if, forgot about if that. If a one. running back is going to fight a bigger guy than him to stay on his feet when a play hasn't been whistled dead, you cannot blow a penalty on a 330 pound guy for doing what he can to get him on the ground. I, I, I get unnecessary roughness, but this was him literally just trying to spin him in a way where he could get him onto the ground because the guy was wouldn't buckle, basically, and the play was lasting three seconds, and there was no whistle. And that's the thing, too. It wasn't only that. It was Pierce's momentum. You're asking, a, have, have you seen that dude with a tight jersey on? He ain't stopping on a dime. I don't care how much of an athlete he is. <laughs> it's not like the play stopped and then he's like, I'm just going to pick this guy up, which I saw a couple of kids do in high school rugby. And I was I was the guy on the other end. It hurts. And that was illegal. But th but this was a momentum play. You haven't blown the whistle. The guy's still moving with his body. It's not like he picked him up and suplexed him. Like, what are we talking about? This isn't the WWE. It was a fine tackle. But because, oh, it just hurt the offensive player just a little much. He might have had a little bit of a boo-boo. We got to give him the 15 yards. And the running back didn't even seem bothered at all no. by, the, by the play. He was getting well, up like it was a regular play. But well, well, that was my, your point to momentum. It's like, I'm sure... Pierce did tackle him after the whistle, technically, but he was probably in the process of doing the tackle and then the whistle happened and you can't just like you said, just kind of be like, I'm standing straight up right now, like <laughs> on a football field. So, yeah, that was the one that bothered me the most for sure, too. And again, uh, I guess it's possible Jalen Ferguson made him punch the guy or throw him swing. I don't know. We never saw it. But uh yeah, the Marlin one, they're going to call that every time. I hate it, but that's just going to be. But that does look worse every time I watch it. And yeah, and that, so that final series, f f over 50 yards. But they didn't let it bother them ultimately and still made the final uh, four-play stop to uh, preserve the win. Peters with yet another play as 
you know, a, a, as a fill-in trade a few weeks ago, which is now seeming like the the trade of the NFL season, uh, getting the fourth down stop without a pass interference penalty, which I was certain was going to happen on and fourth down. And fake chugging a beer, which I love. Into the stands, <laughs> yes, with all the Ravens fans. Now let's get quickly, uh, let's get to the offense. Uh, some good, some bad, not as much explosiveness of, as we've been used to seeing out of this uh, RPO and, and Jackson-led attack. Yeah, I got a couple, just a couple quick things on the offense because I really wanted to focus on the defense. We've done a lot of the Lamar Jackson show, and and look, we'll talk about him when he doesn't play his best. We did that uh, yesterday, or excuse me, last week against 49ers. We'll do it here now. Um, it's tough to blame the wind a ton when he's missing. He missed a lot of throws. That being said, the biggest part of this, and we noted it last week as well, even when he's not playing his best football, the guy is making plays, and they still believe in him to make said plays. Um, after the first half, after a rough first half, excuse me, he went 11 of 15 for 115 yards and two touchdowns in the second half of the football game, making key plays when they had to be made. The schoolyard play to Nick Boyle, which was in the first half, was it, that's just that's why this guy is so fun because you never know what's coming. Um, and another another positive for me before we get into the negatives, Hayden Hurst really stepped up. Uh, when he needed to Mark Andrews, it looks like it's a minor thing, but he was out for most of the game with a upper thigh bruise, I think is what they called it. I have to look at the exact report. Hayden Hurst finished with three catches, 73 yards, a touchdown, obviously on that 61 yard catch on that touchdown catch, by the way, he reached 20 and a half miles per hour, which is the fastest any Raven has gone this year. Like Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson are on this team and Hayden Hurst is maxing out top speed in terms of the Ravens and real quickly on him too. He's caught 26 of his 32 targets this season, which is is very good production. The tight ends, obviously super important for this Ravens offense and seeing that when a, when a guy like March, Mark Andrews, excuse me, who is the security blanket goes down to injury, which has been known to happen. He's been fighting them all year. It's nice to see Hayden Hurst kind of finally step up and give that first round tag that we thought he had before. I'm glad you made mention of that speed stat. I saw that on the Ravens Instagram this afternoon and it absolutely blew me away. <laughs> but um, that was great to see from him. And he caught one ball, I believe it was in the early in the game where it looked like if he didn't catch it, it could have been a pick the other way, but he just kind of snatched it out of the air. He was great. Um, and I hope it's, you know, you never heard, obviously hope Mark Andrews gets back, but you hope they start getting, I think Hurst involved more and more. Cause I think he does have the skill to be a real high uh, level talent in the game and Lamar uh, we should mention went sleeves off after halftime uh, he said he was all wearing wearing sleeves in the first half and he had a glove on his non-throwing hand and he ditched both he said that it was bothering him a little bit and the numbers seemed to bear out he played much better so perhaps it was as simple as that but at the same time he did struggle the offense as a whole didn't get a lot going on the run you mentioned how good Oliver was Bills did come in with the number three ranked defense so do we think the Ravens issues, I guess to put it another way, do you think there was one specific reason for the Ravens kind of slow offense? Are they quote unquote getting figured out? I mean, the numbers, the numbers were not close to what they've put out week in week out. They're a 200 yard, 200 plus yard per game team on the ground. And they had 33 carries for 118 yards. You know, I'm not, I'm not an NFL assistant coach or head coach or, or advanced scout in terms of the, the run game and if, whether it's being stopped more often now or whether it was just a game against a good defense. But some of the things I saw that Jackson did not make every right read in this game with the RPO. There were a couple of instances where 
he held the, he took the ball where it looked like if he let the running back take it, there were some holes. And one of them was, I don't remember the exact down and distance. It was like a third and four kind of situation uh, where I believe he ran the RPO with Gus Edwards and Edwards had, it was like wide open for Edwards and he pulled it out and tried to go wide and there were two or three defenders and he cut it back inside and only got like a yard or two. Uh, and he sort of did the like pat the ball when he realizes that he's made a mistake. So you're not going to get those reads right every single time. It seemed like earlier in the season he he couldn't do wrong. And, you know, now you face a good run defense late in the season. They got a lot of tape. They got a lot of film to review, to practice and study on this guy. Um, but he did look better in the second half. So it's, you know, it's tough for me to uh, to come up with a, a conclusive answer. Uh, but it's something where teams are seeing it more and more. They have more film. And especially if the Ravens play a team a second time in the postseason, there's always that question about whether they're going to be just much more comfortable with it, seeing it the second time. Yeah, a lot of people, too, were giving us the whole, oh, can Lamar do it in the cold? He finished 16 to 25, three touchdowns and another 40 yards on the ground. Like if we're just shrugging at that nowadays, I think we're doing okay. The Bills defense is a huge factor, not to make excuses for the offense, but that Bills defense is maybe the best they've faced all year. Um, because we haven't faced this new Steelers defense yet. We'll, we'll see them in a few weeks. Um, I think for a guy that we've been praising for a lot of the time, I think, in my opinion, I think Greg Roman did get a little too cute with some of his stuff. I completely agree with you on Lamar, by the way. He did that against San Francisco as well, where he made the wrong read on that RPO a couple of times. It's almost like they baited him because they kept tackling the running back in the second half. He was making the mistake of keeping it too much. I think he figures that out, and I think he's smart enough, and and he knows when he makes mistakes that that's not going to be an issue. Um, but but Roman, man, th- th- like you said, the run game was relatively successful. They got over 100 yards on 33 carries, but it, because they weren't as dominant as usual, it seems like they were a little more hesitant to just keep ground and pounding, even with the lead, which is something that I was kind of hoping they were doing. You know, there was some consistent times are getting three, four yards on the ground. That's fine. Keep at it that way. And he seemed to get a little cute on stuff, especially with the wind being a little bit of an issue. Um, I don't know. I think Roman bounces back, but not his best day calling plays, in my opinion. And it should be noted, Bills played on Thanksgiving, so they had about three extra days to prepare for Lamar Jackson, which has to count for something and they entered as one of the best defenses. I completely agree with you on um on Greg Roman there, Tim. Uh the only I guess concern I have is still and we talked about this when he struggled in Seattle a little bit, but is um Mark when Mark Andrews isn't, you know, at the top of his game, the offense can kind of just bog down a little bit. Um Marquise Brown had three receptions that ended with negative yards yesterday. So that was a problem. I don't know that I think circles back to Greg Roman and just not really finding a way to get, you know, the ball into one of your playmakers hands in a way for him to have success. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to take too much out of it, but it's definitely a trend. That being said, as you said to Tim, Lamar Jackson had three touchdowns and actually leads the NFL in touchdown passes right now, um, which I didn't know if you all were aware of, but um uh, he, um, it'll, it'll, I don't anticipate the same issues against the Jets. I'll just say that I guess, this week. Earlier in the season, we were circling the Browns game and the Steelers game as the last two games of the season that were going to determine whether the Ravens went to the playoffs, whether they won the division or not, or where, where they were. Those things have sort of gone by the wayside because the Ravens have won nine games in a row. 
but those two games may now serve as excellent litmus tests for playing pretty good teams a second time. Let's see how they do against a team they lost to in the Browns and a team that they struggled against, which was the Steelers. Let's see them play those two teams another time. Let's see how comfortable they are with the run pass option. And if those two teams are, guess what? You got two weeks to prepare for a, a playoff opponent and maybe you add new wrinkles to the offense, add new uh, new factors that, that nobody's seen all season. With that, any final points on uh, on this Bills game before we go to the AFC North? Just real quickly, awesome to see a ton of Ravens fans there. Uh, to one of the meccas of the NFL, Bills Mafia doing their thing. It was really cool in the stands. There was a lot of purple for a fan base that, you know, doesn't necessarily travel well a lot of the time. A smaller fan base in terms of the NFL. I think a lot of people are getting behind this team. The the, the Baltimore fan base is reinvigorated. Maybe some bandwagoners coming on, which I welcome. I don't care. More people, the people are like, oh, get out of here if you didn't support the Flacco era. It's like, shut up. If they want to support the Ravens, <laughs> more power to them. Come enjoy the, come enjoy the fun with us. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to see so many Ravens fans there uh, in Orchard Park. Let's move it to the AFC North now. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the show last week. This was my first and only gambling lock of the season the Steelers were traveling for a home game in Arizona against the Arizona Cardinals the line was two and a half I mean I, the Steelers led pretty much the whole game they end up winning 23 to 17 they're eight and five now really making a push for the postseason they're getting chased by the Tennessee Titans right behind them but at this moment the Steelers have a wild card spot Devlin Hodges in this game this is a just a fascinating line. 16 of 19 for 150 yards <laughs> and the one touchdown. He's just been a better game manager than Mason Rudolph. He completes a lot of passes, and the Steelers are good enough around that to win games. Thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, making a surge here? Are they, are they a team to be... Uh, afraid of in the postseason well i think they are just because that defense but you nailed it uh their offense is still bad <laughs> like the reason they switched to devlin duck hodges and mike toblin said he's not going to kill us the implication being mason rudolph was just winging interceptions whereas the ceiling's still not very high on devlin hodges but he as you said has avoided mistakes and their defense is so good that that can be enough I still don't think they're going to have the points to really go deep, but I wouldn't be stunned if they beat whoever they play in the wildcard weekend, if yeah, they make it. Yeah, part of it for me is simply the, everything you just set aside, I completely agree with. I don't want to face a team for a third time, right. especially a team that does not like you, that's been hearing all year long how their rival has revolutionized the NFL, it's toppled the Patriots, it's toppled the Texans, whoops up on the Rams, goes on this incredible streak. They're the A topic of every morning talk show. What's Lamar doing here? You know, outside of the Cowboys sucking or something like that. When you're <laughs> talking about actual football, the Ravens are the first thing that pops up on the little ticker. Um, Mike Tomlin's good enough to get them motivated to really ruin our season. And for that reason and that reason alone, look, at this point, they're not going to win the division. At this point, it looks like we're pretty safe for the number one seed knock on studio here. Um, but I wouldn't want to see them simply because they are the Steelers, all the past hauntings. And uh, the third time, as, as you mentioned, seeing them a second time here later in the season, a third time, two in recent weeks, um, come sort of back to back a little bit. That would worry me. Steelers started out 0-3, then they were 1-4, and 
Now they're eight and five, but still fighting to get that last spot. Currently tied with the Tennessee Titans at eight and five. That Ravens Steelers game in uh, in week seventeen may determine whether or not the Steelers get in to the to the playoffs. I I agree they're going to be an annoying team if if they get in. Uh, I don't think they get to Baltimore. I, the, the matchups right now are at the moment they'd be playing the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the first round. I just don't see them getting to the Ravens, but. Uh, I said last week that I would never be afraid of Duck Hodges to win a playoff game on the road, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to that line. But the more games they win, the more annoying and, and scary and scary that the, the Steelers get because they know how to win in, in January. So let's move on to another team in the AFC North who every week there seems to be yet another thing uh, to discuss with this team. And it's, I hate uh, this team. It's the, <laughs> it's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they did beat. Uh, the Andy Dalton-led Cincinnati Bengals. Way to go, guys. Uh, technically could still get a playoff berth. They need about 17 things to happen. I think they're at like the 1% mark at this point. But the newest report, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, has been playing hurt all season. That's why he hasn't been that good. He's been talking to to teams after the games, whispering, uh, come get me, sort of very a la NBA at the end of, uh, at the end of games in terms of the free agency. So I'll just throw this out to you guys. Uh, first of all, thoughts on the Browns, but most importantly, <laughs> is Beckham on the Browns next season? I don't think he is. I, I think there seems like there's too much bad blood between him and the team at this point. And it's just so Browns to finally swing a huge trade for a guy. Everyone's like, this will put him over the top. And instead they'll go seven and nine and, you know, have traded basically a first round pick for like 10 decent games. <laughs> like only the Browns could waste someone as good as Odell Beckham Jr. But I, I don't think he'll be there next year. I just don't see how they can mend the fences like this. <laughs> I think some of this, as much as I want to sit here and bash Cleveland, and you could blame them for making the deal for a guy like this who publicly called out Eli Manning a bunch of times is trying to bring this diva thing back. Hey, really cool shoes in pregame that look like a dog. I know they're for a good cause, but you're the, the week one. He's wearing like the super expensive watch. And that was the only talking point from that game. Um, then your quarterback comes out and is going at the medical staff saying, yeah, Odell probably should have had surgery. They handled this completely wrong. Freddie, Freddie idiot kitchens, according to Baker Mayfield, then comes out and says, Baker shouldn't be addressing other players injuries. There's video of Odell. You can't hear him, but coming up and talking to guys and then like from the other teams at halftime or after the game at midfield. And then covering his mouth and doing the come get me, come get me, come get me. It's just, it's a, tire fire and I don't think he'll be there next year either because he's just one of those guys I think he wants to be in the NBA where the player movement (laughs) is so incredibly crazy all the time because these guys get fed up with people sit on a team for a year or two and move on and find somebody else that's Odell Beckham Jr. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole if I were the Baltimore Ravens obviously I don't think that's anywhere in the cards anyway but he's one of those guys that he to me he just doesn't seem worth the talent yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's it's just it's so brownsy. It's like brownsing on its brownsiness. Uh, I I do think he's there next season, if only because it's going to be difficult to trade him. Sure, I mean, you do this thing once, you know, fool me once, you know, shame shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This would be a second team that has to be convinced that he's worth 
the high draft pick to take him. So here's where I see this going. I see him trying to get traded, uh, it not working out, and he sits out like the first four games of next season. That, that, that's my sort of uh, long-term view on this, <laughs> and then he ends up coming back and plays but, 12 games and is fed up the entire time. Also, a, pot- a very potential Terrell Owens uh, conduct detrimental to the team uh, suspension possibility. <laughs> It's just like if you could if you could create a diva wide receiver, he checks off so many boxes. And that's enough about Odell Beckham Jr. I don't have anything to say about the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost another game. Congratulations. You're doing just what you want to be doing, and yeah. I hope you make good use of that number one pick. Joe Burrow looked great in the SEC title game, so Yeah, that's that's the most I can say about the Bengals is that Joe Burrow looks great and go taggers. <laughs> Week by week, do you guys get more and more concerned that they're going to get a really good quarterback who's then going to be annoying for 10 to 12 years? Uh, No, you know, I I was thinking about this. I'm more concerned about the Bengals getting Chase Young for Lamar's health. Um, So I'm fine if they draft a QB and like ruin another young QB or something. Chase Young, defensive end out of Ohio State. Yeah. Um, But Joe Burrow, I think he's great. He's going to be put behind probably assuming they drafted the worst offensive line in the NFL. So I wish him a lot of luck. (laughs) Let's move on to the NFL now where there was a doozy of a game uh, between the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Looks like a preview of the NFC championship game. What are your thoughts on on that shootout? I think it was 48-46. Yeah, correct. Uh, 49ers coming out on top with a last second George Kittle dragging players downfield by the face and then field goal. What do you guys think about that game? <laughs> I think it obviously was happening at the same time as the Ravens. So watching the extended highlights back, um, what an incredible game. I mean, you were getting updates. If you're following on Twitter and stuff, you're getting updates from that game as the other one's going on. George Kittle is a man among children. Just that guy's trying to rip his face mask off and he drags him another 15 to 30 yards for the game winning to put them in position for the game winning field goal. Uh, and you know what? Really good on the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan's legit. Um, <laughs> the Redskins just wasting him and letting him go because they're just a terrible franchise. It's hilarious. Uh, he he has made Garoppolo look good and really good on them after it's two East Coast trips. New Orleans relative you know, to where San Francisco is. They actually trained in Florida this week. Shanahan made the call not to go back to San Fran and then come back to New Orleans after the game against Baltimore. Um, the, the Niners are very, very good. And, you know, in my opinion, outside of the Ravens, I think they're the best team in the NFL or the second best team in the NFL, obviously with Baltimore being number one. Um, yeah, I, I have all the praise in the world for the 49ers there, man. They are, they are fun to watch when they're not going up against our purple and black. <laughs> yeah, that, that game was awesome. And if you're wondering why I, I uh, had less complaints about Dan Fouts, it's because I had this game with uh, Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis streaming on the computer closer to me while I watched the Ravens on the big screen. So I did not hear as much as Fouts as I probably normally would. Um, this game ruled. And I think the Saints are really good. Drew Brees slinging it is awesome. I love Drew Brees. Uh, Michael Thomas, big, huge catches late. Um and then, yeah, just the Niners to be able to gut that win out, because it's hard to go in the Superdome. And so it looks like they're set up for home field throughout the NFC playoffs. And that's big. Not necessarily because I think San Francisco, or more specifically Santa Clara, is the hardest place to play. But just not having to play in the Superdome, I think, is going to be huge for really the whole NFC. And if the Niners aren't, uh, don't have to do that, could see them in the Super Bowl. 
Last week, I gave a, a formal thank you to the Houston Texans for, for taking care of business uh, and defeating the massively, I've been, say, been saying it for months, massively overrated <laughs> New England Patriots. This week, I, I got more thank yous to give out. Kansas City. Good job, Chiefs. Uh, thank you for your work in Foxborough, beating the Patriots 23-16, to giving the Ravens breathing room now with the number one seed uh, in the AFC. Thank you to the referees uh, in that game. Give another thank you. Uh, <laughs> doing the Jimmy Fallon like thank you notes here. Uh, you know, for taking not one but two touchdowns away from the New England Patriots. <laughs> so the score is now... Uh, like Patriots 8,000 to the rest of the NFL too. So, so, you know, <laughs> New England, it must be tough to see this happen, but this is what it feels like every week with every other team in the NFL. So welcome to the club. Yeah, this is not a Pats podcast, so we're not going to go on and on about this, but I have just one of my favorite moments that warms the cockles of my heart is the Patriots fans were booing their <laughs> own team. It's you raging. self-centered, entitled... <laughs> Just as some other words I can't say on this podcast for booing that team. I get it when your team's not performing well consistently. I get it if you were, I don't know, at this point, seven and six with this roster that you have. And, and I hate, hate to say this, the greatest quarterback of all time. You're now 10 and three, most likely <laughs> going to be the second seed in the AFC. Still have... A, a great chance for the first seed, honestly, if the Ravens slip up in one of these games and then two of the three, I, I still consider tough as division opponents and want the other ones in prime time. And you're booing your team. They're booing them at halftime at a, in a 20 to seven. It was 20 to seven. That's all the score was <laughs> against a good team who you had a little rivalry with the last season and a half. You deserve mediocrity and maybe worse for the next 15 to 20 years. As soon as Brady gets out, as soon as Belichick says, I'm done with this. You know what? Hire Steve. Do it because he's not going to be his dad. Look at the guy's haircut. And this is someone who's speaking who has a pretty bad haircut himself. It's just that was infuriatingly hilarious because at first you're like, wow, really, guys? And then you're like, you know what? No, this is these people really think they're above every other every other franchise in sports history that this is where they got to. And I just I found it just awesome. You uh, you love to see it, as the kids say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to cry for the Patriots missing calls. I thought it was very funny. The only annoying part is that they're never going to stop talking about this game. But that's fine. Yeah, it cost them a game in the standings and possibly the number one seed. So it's up to the Ravens to take advantage of that. So you've both touched on this now. How confident are we now with the Ravens hanging on to the number one seed? They have a game lead. They have the tiebreaker lead over the Pats. The Ravens would have to basically go one and two uh, in the last next three games. The Patriots would have to win their remaining games. And once again, the Ravens would not have the number one seed. But I'm, I'm very confident at this point about hanging on to it. But I want to get your guys thoughts. I'm confident in it. Uh, not to give away too much. I think the Ravens are going to win uh, pretty easily this weekend or this uh, Thursday. And I think they are going to hammer the Browns. And I will share those, save those thoughts for next week. But that is my early, my early thoughts on that. I think they're going to destroy the Browns and that'll basically lock them up number one. But yeah, that's a great point. I mean, New England's on to Cincinnati this week if you've heard that quote before um then they have the bills and the dolphins so the bills are the only team that will probably give them trouble uh i mean the bills gave us trouble and we're better than the new england patriots 
uh, just flat out. So I think that could be a tough task. The Bills potentially fighting for the AFC East crown at that point, which would be love it. Remarkable. You love to see it. Absolutely. You love <laughs> to see it, as they say. Um, I'm I'm. I, 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 it's weird. Like mentally in my head, I'm caught. Con- but I can't say it. Can't it's, say the word. Can't get the word out. It's not coming I out. I see it literally getting blocked by the filter before Tim can it's, get it out. It's like it's one of those things on the tip of my tongue, but it, me putting it into a microphone out into the podcasting world would make me supremely less confident because I said it. So you get it. We'll just put it that way. It would be the first time in the Ravens' relatively brief uh, franchise history having the number one seed. One thing I got to touch on here that we sort of have – a very late breaking story as we record on Monday night. So I, I almost don't want to get into it too much because it's going to end up being a nothing story or it's going to blow up into an NFL landscape changing story. The Patriots may or may not or definitely weren't or probably were filming the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> against the Browns. Uh, the only details at this point are that a Cincinnati staffer saw a Patriots guy recording something and it may or may not be like promotional material or they were filming the Cincinnati Bengals play calls. We will see in the next few days what comes out of that. I obviously am just hoping and praying that it blows up and becomes (laughs) another instance of the Patriots cheating, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself because we know very little at this point. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to come at this, but it would be very funny if it did. Who who needs first-round draft picks? Not the New England Patriots. All right. So the last thing that I want to talk about in the NFL before we move on, uh, I want to do a little uh, Who Would You Rather? Uh, We did this a little bit. uh, Tim and I did last week without Jace. But now that the playoffs are sort of rounding into form a little bit, some of the seating is getting clearer, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, who would you rather the Ravens face in the three postseason rounds? So... Uh, we're going to assume that the Ravens will have a first round bye, and it's looking like there's going to be three teams in the second round that that the Ravens could face. And that's either the Texans, the Titans or the Steelers. So I ask you both briefly, who would you rather the Ravens play out of those three to advance to the AFC championship game? This is relatively tough and a theme we've been talking about the the playing them the second time thing. Sort of scares me about the Texans, although they are incredibly up and down, even with the dominating performance that Baltimore had on them in week one. They still have Nuke Hopkins. They still have uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm a, a, they worry me a bit. The Steelers, we've mentioned them already. I'm going to go the Titans, even though they are the hottest team outside of the Ravens in the NFL. I mean, they've been absolutely lights out. Ryan Tannehill has been revolutionary <laughs> for them. Uh, we've met, we talked about Derrick Henry last week. Nobody wants to tackle him in December except Michael Pierce. So for that reason, <laughs> I'm going to take Tennessee still. I, I've, I, I see what they're doing. I mean, they're playing very, very well. 42 to 21 over the Raiders. So as soon as everybody said they may, might have a shot, they just completely turn into a dumpster fire. But the teams they've beaten in this run, the Chiefs, it was a very close game. The Jaguars, who are no good, at the Colts, who have kind of given up, and at the Raiders. So I really haven't seen it from them yet. They've got Texans, Saints, Texans in three straight games after that. They win those three. They go two and one in those. My opinion might change a little bit. For now, I'm going Titans. I think that's the answer, too. I think just you... Henry concerns me a little bit. We talked about uh, two weeks in a row, Raheem Mostert and then Devin Singletary kind of got some good runs. And... 
there's mounting evidence that Derrick Henry might actually be the best running back in the NFL. <laughs> um, so he, he concerns me a little bit um, for sure. But uh, I think just having not faced them, and I know they destroyed the Texans, and I don't trust Bill O'Brien, but Deshaun Watson's still special. And even though they got absolutely annihilated by the Broncos on Sunday, which was the strangest game of the weekend by far, um, I still just, I don't like facing teams twice, and uh, that's triply true of the Steelers, so I want to avoid them at all costs. So I think the answer's the Titans. Uh, I'll say very quickly, what I would love in the playoffs is a team that's going to be very bad against the run so that the Ravens can just do their thing, set the tempo, set the lead, and the game is over. And I think at that at this point, it's the Texans. Their run D has been atrocious. Their run D was atrocious against us, and we took complete control of that game. I can't believe I'm saying this, but another home game against the Texans, I, I don't think you're going to reverse uh, such a drastic score in the, in the same circumstances when you have two weeks to prepare. Let's go up to the next tier of teams. And I've done this by records, basically. This is not an exact science, obviously, because we don't know where these teams are going to finish. But so let's pretend now uh, for the AFC title game, these other three teams with with better records. Who would you rather face? I'm going to include the Bills in this list because the record is there. Uh, We'll see where they are at the end of the season. But the Bills, the Patriots or the Chiefs. Actually, you know what? I'm eliminating the Bills because they're probably getting, in some way, shape, or form. I don't see them in this matchup. Patriots or Chiefs? Let's make this a, a full-on debate. Who would you rather have the Ravens go up against in the AFC title game? I know Antonio's answer. Um, I have a feeling anyway. You know what? I'm going Chiefs. Oh, boy. Because Mahomes is great, but he's not at that level that we saw last year, which, by the way, spoiler warning when we get to the offseason – I'm going to be shouting to the rooftops about Lamar with the same thing that there's going to be a little bit of a regression. That's how these things work. Andy Reid in the playoffs is hilarious. Um, And it's the Chiefs at home. Two of Lamar's losses as a starter have come at Arrowhead Stadium against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to want to right that wrong in the biggest stage possible. And Andy with a minute and a half left and two timeouts. That's not good for Kansas City. So give me the give me the Chiefs. It's very very slight. It's it's tough to pick when you get this late in the season. And you are cursing us by the way doing this exercise in the regular season. I'm just going to point that out. Slight margin. Give me the Chiefs over the Pats. Embrace uh, debate, Jace. Uh, it sounds like you disagree over there. Well, Tim nearly convinced me, but I think it's the Patriots. I just. Patrick Mahomes scares me way more than Tom Brady does at Brady being 42 years old. I, as you said, the Lamar is 17 and three as a starter in the NFL regular season. And his two of those losses are to the chiefs. I just think they're specifically just Mahomes versus our defense. I think it's just a bad matchup. Cause even though he's kind of gimpy this year, running around on a, you know, I don't think it's talked about enough. He dislocated his kneecap and it's just like playing football again this year. Like that's very strange to me that that's not, doesn't get brought up more, but I just think he can move around a little bit. He can throw the ball 80 yards in the air. Like there's just enough. He's just, uh, he's, he's torched the Ravens the two times he's played them. And they've had pretty good defenses, both. Well, not earlier this year, but I, I just, the Patriots offense has gotten even worse since, the Ravens played them. And so I think you just have to, I just think it's, I don't want Patrick Mahomes. That's basically my argument. I guess. 
Yeah, the, the Chiefs just have so much speed. They have so many playmakers. I don't want McCole Hardman becoming this dude who gets 200 receiving yards that you don't sort of don't really expect. They have so much speed. They have so much talent. I'm terrified of playing the Chiefs at home on the road. I, I've seen the blueprint against the Patriots already. Uh, listen, you just a few weeks before this game against the Patriots that I think is inevitable. You know, you lock the doors. You don't let any other staffers do any promotional videotaping. Like you're, you get really tough on that stuff. And as long as the Patriots can't, you know, record your plays, then you should be fine. Uh, I just don't think the Patriots have any weapons. The, the move the last few weeks, the last two weeks where they've lost these two games has been you double team Julian Edelman. You let everybody else do their do their best. Uh, and the Patriots have not been able to score points and have not been able to go on sustained drives consistently. I think that's the formula. I think you do it again, and they're not going to outscore. There's no way they can outscore the Ravens at home. Yeah, they just have so many problems on offense. Brady doesn't trust his receivers. They're not that good. The line, they're on their third-string center, uh, which is never ideal um, for uh, an offense. So, yeah, I just don't think they're going to be able to put up the points as good as that defense is. And then quickly, the last level. Oh, boy. The last level. And this is all hypothetical, guys. We're not expecting the team to I go there. But <laughs> who would you rather play in the Super Bowl? I'm giving you two options. We saw a preview of the NFC Championship game. And I'm not giving Green Bay any respect here. The San Francisco 49ers or the New Orleans Saints, who would you rather play in the Super Bowl? I refuse to answer. I'm serious. No, I'm kidding. Uh, New Orleans, because <laughs> Drew Brees. I'd, ra- I'd rather play San Francisco. I would want to avoid New Orleans. Let me put it that way. And that's legitimately all the analysis I'm giving you because this is making my skin crawl doing this more and more and more. Yeah, I, I hate this. But I think I was hoping you were going to make the Packers an answer because I would have said the Packers. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll go Saints. I just think they're a slightly worse than the 49ers that game is going to be outdoors it's in miami so we can pray for rain and hopefully (laughs) Drew Brees doesn't throw as well in rain um i hate this i'll pick the sides it's the 49ers for me we we played them tough in a home game obviously but new orleans terrifies me it probably wouldn't rain it'd probably be perfect weather you're you're not worried about about super bowl 47 revenge (laughs) oh i want that's i was that was going to be my last point i'd love to see a rematch uh of that of that Super Bowl so that we can go two and oh and that was the end of the segment where Antonio leaps ahead weeks and weeks and weeks it's just it just scenarios scenarios I'm not saying the Ravens are definitely going to the <laughs> Super Bowl so uh, moving on we've already done what's bothering Tim uh, so we can just we can just blast right on past that uh, and go to the random Raven and it's Jace's turn this week welcome back Jace for a uh, random Raven and apparently you got a doozy for us yeah so five clues I tried to give a lot because I don't know a ton about this guy, so I gave No, because you're supposed to give five clues. That's the rules. The rules are five clues. (laughs) That's why I have five. We don't work for, like, the NFL archives, Jace. (laughs) All right. So this defensive lineman played two seasons with the Ravens in 2010 and 2011. He had played for... not a lot. Not a lot. Two seasons. He had played for two franchises prior to his arrival, uh, Seattle in 2009, and for the Detroit Lions, who drafted him in the two, in the third round of the 2003 draft, and he played there through 2008, of course, being a member of the 0-16 team. 
And then he went on to play for the Colts for three seasons and then the Cardinals following his retire and then retired following the 2015 season. That was after those last two teams were after the Ravens. After the Ravens. Okay. Uh, Colts from 2012 to 14 and then the Cardinals in 2015. And drafted by the Lions. Drafted by the Lions, played their five years, was on the 0-16 team. Uh, He recorded seven and a half sacks over 30 games with the Ravens and making 22 starts. That's clue three. Seven and a half sacks over 30 games, 22 of those starts. Number four, his number 93 has been worn by probably future random Raven Dwan Edwards and is currently worn by Chris Wormley. And then finally, number five, he scored a somewhat controversial fumble return touchdown in the 2020, uh, 2010 divisional round against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got two names and I can't remember which one of the two it is. <laughs> and I'm frustrated because I I thought I had it and then I added a second name and I've written them next to each other with the number and that's not helping. So they may have both worn this number, which would really anger me, anger me even more. That's great. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on and come back to that uh. at the end of the show. Uh, I have no idea. It's a dude. It's one of these two dudes. And I don't want to guess two names, but I'm going to end up guessing two names. I'm so bad at this. I've gotten significantly worse. My memory, man. I've, I've got to start taking some of those like memory tests. It's you can because do you get so angry during the games when the games <laughs> get close. Black out. You, you block out yeah. the names and players. Yeah. When this That's guy does true. things like make a I'll get another hint. I don't know if you remember this particular game had a huge deflection of a drew beat drew breeze pass to beat the saints in 2010. That guy. I was at that game. (laughs) That's why you you, you wouldn't have known. known. There's no replays when you're uh, at the game. Oh man. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to sit on that. We're going to have Jay say those clues over again at the end of the show, but let's move on now to the short week for the Ravens, a Thursday night home matchup against the New York football Jets. Tim Horsey is going to be in attendance for that night game. The Jets aren't good. No, they really haven't been <laughs> all year uh, for they several had this, years. <laughs> they had this slew of free agent signings, super, you know, super free agent signings uh, who either haven't played or have played poorly or have been in and out of the lineup or have been ineffective. Some combination of all that Le'Veon Bell, our own uh, Mosley, and they're five and eight. And the only thing I can think of is, is this a trap game? There's no other scenario. I see them beating us in this scenario. Uh, but I'll, I'll take your guys' thoughts in this uh, game against the Jets. I'm going to say no. And here's why. The Ravens, which I don't even know if we've said this aloud, have already clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they did it with their victory over the Bills. Uh, but they have not clinched the AFC North, which they can do um, with a win on Thursday night. And John Harbaugh um, had this to say after telling the team they clinched a, a playoff spot. He said, quote, I tried to make a big deal out of it in the locker room and the guys kind of gave me a smattering of applause. They've expected that. And I think they earned the right to expect that. So that to me seems like a team that is pretty locked in, knows it can win the AFC North against a team that they know they're much better than. Um, so uh, I think being at home's big. It is a letdown of an opponent, but I don't think that the team, I think the team's going to come out ready to play. I will, uh, 
get everybody very worried if we did not Ooh. see this. Embrace debate. Uh-oh. Oh, no, they're they're probably going to win unless this quad injury that one Lamar Jackson suffered. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Is is worse than we thought. Uh, quickly, Harbaugh in his press conference today said, quote, it's less than 24 hours to after the game. It's hard to say. It's not a serious injury in that sense. This is day to day. We play Thursday night. We'll see where we're at. Um, it said it didn't appear to be a serious injury. He just got hit on the quad during the game. But all injuries are kind of day to day when when it's such a short week like this. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, who has been, you know, hand up. I kind of said he was not great in the preseason podcast. I was completely wrong. He's one of the best uh, left tackles in the NFL right now. He suffered a concussion and played in every single snap. Yeah, of that he never game. missed any time, which is weird. So when which did that happen? <laughs> little concerning, um, but we'll see where he's at on that. That that one, obviously, well, I, I was about to say they take that concussion a little more seriously, but if he played in every single snap of the game, maybe they don't. Who knows? That would be a pretty big miss. But assuming Lamar plays, because I'm thinking that with the division on the line, if it's not serious, he's going out there in week 15. They're not going to be trapped by this. They know the division is important. They're the kings of the north. They want to defend that crown. It's important to them, especially with two division games coming up. And the Jets suck. (laughs) They're so bad. I mean, Sam Darnold has a a little, like, he's got a little bit. Le'Veon Bell did not play on Sunday and might not play Thursday. Their best player, Jamal Adams, who was a guy during the trade deadline, I'd said, trade two first rounders for him because I like him that much. He's questionable. Adam Gase said he might not play on Thursday. If he doesn't play, they've got nobody there. They're actually, if you look at their defensive stats in terms of uh, rushing yards, they are, if this loads quickly, they're second in the league, only giving up 70, almost 79 yards a game on the ground. But that's, I, I, that one boggles my mind. I don't think that's going to be an issue for the Baltimore Ravens here. I, it's weird to me because teams you would think would just run the ball on the Jets because they have a big lead. So maybe that's a little concerning. But at the same time, I don't see anything from this Jets team that on a short week traveling to Baltimore, a crowd that's going to be on fire, knowing that the division is right there in their grasp. All they got to do is win on a primetime game on Thursday night. I think this is a pretty safe Ravens victory. I don't want to get, you know, you don't want to speculate injuries before you hear anything or know anything, but the description of the Jackson injury being that it came from contact leads me to believe that it's like a bruise type thing as opposed to, oh yeah, he like tweaked it when he was running and now you've got a pulled muscle that is terrifying because you don't know if that's going to last a week or a month. Uh, That being said, which is just such a classic sports hot take line. (laughs) I think RG3 and the Ravens infrastructure could beat the Jets at home on a short week. I I mean, he runs the same offense. You give Ingram like 10 more carries than he would normally get. You rotate the backs more. And I still think you handle this game at home. You're not going to win by 15 points, which is the line. But you end up still winning pretty comfortably. So please, if Lamar Jackson is injured at all, you rest him and you let him get ready for the postseason. But I'm not concerned about this team. The the running the rushing yards, as you mentioned, Tim, is so strange because the Jets have been behind a lot, and you would just assume teams would run and run and run, and yet those numbers have not crept up. But that's going to be it to me. The Ravens rush for over 200 yards a game. The Jets give up less than 80. 
you know, let, let's match strengths and, and see who comes out on top. And I have a lot of faith in, in this in this Ravens rushing game. Yeah, and if Jamal Adams isn't there, I don't. I'm not especially concerned about their <laughs> defense as a whole. Um, they just don't have a lot of weapons. Robbie Anderson's decent that wide receiver, but aside from that, like Bell probably won't play. Um, and he's given the Ravens obviously lots of problems in the past, but that was also behind you know a perennially uh, kind of really good Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, which is the. The Jets do not have. Um, and um, yeah, I'm with you. I think RG3 honestly could lead the team to victory in this one. Uh, Darnold's going to throw at least one interception to Earl Thomas uh, <laughs> for sure. He's a turnover machine. That's um, an interesting uh, prop then. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Earl Thomas will have a pick. <laughs> um, so I, in, it's a short week for the Ravens, but they're the home team. It's even more of a detriment to the Jets. And I think when you're a team, as you said, Antonio, you have the infrastructure of the Ravens. That's that's when that's how you win these short weeks. You already have the system in place, the people in place, the coaches in place. And I think the Jets, you're looking at you were they were officially eliminated, I believe, from the playoffs at five and eight, which is honestly a little better record than you probably think the Jets have. But their season's over. They're kind of just playing out the string. So and probably think their coach is getting fired, too. So I can't imagine they're going to be super up for this game jace i'm going to steal your line from before we started recording the jets just had a thrilling (laughs) victory against the miami dolphins at home and the jets won by a point at home with a game-winning field goal as time expired the ravens beat that team 59 to 10 I, i just think it's a different level of talent on the rosters coaching health on the team and I think this game's going to be settled by by the second quarter. The Jets probably lose that game if the Dolphins score a single touchdown. They did not. They kicked seven field goals (laughs) and uh, lost 22 to 21. (laughs) Here's a stat. Uh, Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing in that game with seven carries for 65 yards. Just keep cashing them checks, Fitzpatrick. Keep, Keep getting them checks. Any other thoughts about this game? Not a ton uh, to go on this game. Just like the two teams, we're playing on a short week here. You know, we haven't had as as much time to prepare for this Thursday game, but should be fun. Tim's going to have a great time, I think, at the game. Yeah, I'm off Friday, so I'm going to have a great time. Um, It's one of those those two that, admittedly, the most I know about the Jets is Sam Darnold said he was seeing ghosts one time, and that's hilarious on the sideline when he was mic'd up. I I don't have a ton on the Jets because... This is going to sound harsh, but in terms of the landscape of this NFL season, they're pretty irrelevant. And they're irrelevant for a reason. The coaching is bad. I think Darnold has a chance to be a good quarterback, but he doesn't have anything around him. Force him into mistakes early. Show this Jets vaunted run defense that they're not all (laughs) snuffed up to be. And show, show this AFC East team that, you know what, they're not that great. So And they play in a crap division, and that's where they've gotten some of their wins. And now you're going to play with the big boys in the AFC North, and I think it's going to be a pretty pretty easy Ravens victory. The only, you know, I'll, I'll give the Jets a little bit of credit here. They started the season 1-7, and seven, and they turned that into 5-8. and eight. They've won three of their last four games, but you just look at the teams. They beat the Giants, the Redskins, the Raiders, and that win is looking less and less impressive by the week, and the Dolphins, while losing to the Bengals in between there. So... I, <laughs> It's it's a strange team. It's been a strange season for them. Uh, it does look like Le'Veon Bell was was questionable about, about whether or not he was going to play. Looks like he is close to 100. percent 
That's a guy that has hurt the Ravens before when he was on the on the Steelers. That was a guy we seemingly were unable to tackle. But it's a new era, and these Ravens are eleven and two and are going to win, looking to win their tenth game in a row. And with that, let's move to the picks. The Ravens, fifteen point favorites at home on Thursday, and I'm just rolling with it. The, the Ravens have covered six of their last seven on this streak of wins. It seems crazy to pick this team to win by 15. I mean, this is obviously this is a if Lamar Jackson starts kind of situation, but I think they have a few touchdowns in the first quarter, and I think this game is a blowout. You know what? Take you behind the curtain. I originally picked Jets not to win. Screw that. The Jets aren't very good. I'm taking the Ravens minus 15, mainly because I just want to have some fun on Thursday night. Let's just watch them <laughs> blow this team out. And I'm going to go have have a couple pops. It's going to feel really nice. Know that I don't have to work the next day. Um, kind of wake wake up at, you know, still relatively early, but not to that buzzing alarm to go to work and just celebrate a Ravens victory Crack on my way in. back home to D.C. And I see. I wish I could sleep. It'll it'll still probably be like 730, but it's not it's not oh six God. in the morning. So it's fine with me. <laughs> That's so early. Uh, <laughs> I am picking the Jets to cover the plus 15. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. But that's a lot of points. They could win by two touchdowns, and that doesn't cover it. Um, so I think the Ravens win easily. I think they win between 10 and 14 points. But 15, it's a bridge too far for me. So I'll just take the Jets for the cover. Some other games I like. I, I, this is just, it's it screams something that I'm going to be upset about later on. But the Minnesota Vikings are traveling to San Diego they're only two and a half point favorites. They've been pretty good this season about winning those games that you thought were going to be speed bumps for them. I think Minnesota handles San Diego. I keep saying San Diego. They're the Los Angeles Chargers. Put uh, SD in here and didn't even notice the first three times I said it. <laughs> Minnesota's going to travel yeah, to neither, Los neither Angeles. Neither did we, by the way. Neither did we. Yeah. <laughs> they will travel to Los Angeles and handle the Chargers. They're in that wild card hunt. Uh, they're focused. They're going to win by by more than three points. I like that game. Uh, and then the Patriots, as much as I've been speaking badly about them, here's a nice little game for them to rebound. It's against Cincinnati. The Patriots, nine and a half favorites going to Cincinnati. I, I just don't see how the Patriots don't handle the Bengals and, and win by, by double digits here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the famous words of the last time everybody thought the Patriots were done, Belichick and his presser just kept saying, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Because he's just a delight for journalists. Um, so they're on to Cincinnati, and I think they're going to beat them by more than nine and a half. And plus, the Patriots, they have so much film now that they can review from that Cincinnati game. Because, exactly. Because they were there last week. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a pretty easy one. And um Miami, Brian Flores, good coach. Not a ton of talent on that Miami team. I think he's a decent coach. He was incensed about the <laughs> overturn pass interference call. I like a little fire from a guy that, even though his season's over, he's fighting for those guys. And um, at time of recording, Eli Manning is playing for the Giants. He's back. They 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 are ruining the confidence of their first round pick Daniel Jones because he was so bad that they benched him to put Eli Manning back in and maybe ruin Eli's prestigious exactly 500 record for his career. Uh, with that, I'm going to take Miami and the points plus three in the Meadowlands away to the giants. Give me the dolphins. I know earlier in the year, uh, Jace picked the Dolphins in a crazy spread, and he ended up winning that bet. So I'm going to hop on that Dolphins train, too. Go Miami, plus three, away to the Giants. Yeah, the Giants are crazy bad. Um, but 
I'm going to some weird kind of, kind of picks, a little off the board. I'm going Seahawks minus six at the Carolina Panthers, who have fired Coach Ron Rivera. Um, now, Seattle did not look good at all Sunday night against the Rams, but they've been shockingly really good on the road this year and uh, outside of Sunday night. And the Panthers have kind of imploded in recent weeks. They were down double digits to the Redskins before a big late comeback. They lost by 20 to the Falcons yesterday. Um, so I am picking the Seahawks. Uh, they need this game um, to essentially seal up a playoff spot and still stay in the mix for the number one seed with San Francisco. And then speaking of the Falcons, I can't believe I'm doing this. Plus 11 at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Falcons have looked competent ish lately at least on offense um Niners I'm gonna say coming off a really big gauntlet some tough teams tough games uh you know I still think they'll win by like nine ten but that plus 11 uh I think I think Matty Ice can stick around if there's anything we know Matt Ryan's good at it's throwing for yards that don't amount to anything so I think they're gonna stay in this game and I'm picking the Falcons to cover dropped 40 last week and have dropped some pretty big numbers big numbers uh, yeah the, the offense has been real good <laughs> for a 419 has a strange season for the falcons beat the saints in the superdome <laughs> so with that uh we're just about ready to to wrap things up here uh jace you want to hit us with those uh, with those clues i've eliminated one of the names so i'm down to one but uh why don't you give us those random raven clues right. one more time so this defensive lineman played two seasons with the ravens in 2010 and 2011 he had played for two franchises before he arrived in Baltimore, spending the 2009 season with Seattle and 2003 to 2008 with the Detroit Lions, who drafted him in the third round in 2003. <laughs> what is this order? Why don't you just go in chronological order? I mean, I don't, my, my mind's order. a pretzel right now. You changed the timeline. Each, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. I had a reason. I don't know. I wrote it out. <laughs> I'm following my script here. He then went on to play for the Colts for three seasons and the Cardinals before retiring following the 2015 season. During his time with the Ravens, he recorded seven and a half sacks over 30 games, making 22 starts. His number 93 has been worn by Dwan Edwards, probably most prominently, and currently is worn by Chris Wormley. He scored a somewhat controversial fumble return touchdown in the 2010 divisional round uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, is the final clue. Can I get a college? That is a great question. I'll have to do a quick look up on that. I forgot to jot that down. Uh, uh, see the see the Seattle thing now. I want. I'm trying to think, but now I'm getting myself screwed up with like the really good defenses of later eras with those defensive linemen. He so went that, to the University of Texas, as you do. Yeah, that doesn't help. Um, I mean, th- like the 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 name that popped into my head before the number was Make Kimoyatu, but then oh, he went. To, Thanks, but he went to Carolina. Yeah, you can't pick any of the ones that are actually stuck in my brain. Um, he went to Carolina. He didn't go to the Colts. Arthur Jones went to the Colts, but he was 97. Yes. That was the the, uh, the name I was debating with. Definitely was not Arthur him. Jones, but not, not a 93. It's not. My other guess from that era was Trevor Price, but he played more than th- two seasons. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to defer to you, Antonio. I, I, I legitimately don't have any idea who it could be. And it's going to it's going to annoy me. I'm going to look up pro football reference right now for the same number thing. And it's I, I'm going to immediately know who it is. It's uh, <laughs> it's that play. It's that infamous fumble 
pick up where everybody stopped playing. No one moved. And yet, and yet this guy, Ray Lewis, stopped playing. Stopped playing, didn't pick the ball up. But you know who did? You know who did pick the ball up and score? Was Corey Redding. That's exactly right. Number 93, Corey Redding. <laughs> and my inspiration for this one was uh, NFL Throwback, an excellent YouTube channel run by NFL Media, I believe, uh, posts highlights of old games. And they posted the original Harbaugh Bowl in 2011 when they sacked Alex Smith like 10 times. Uh, and Corey Redding had one of the sacks. And I was like, oh, Corey Redding. I love that guy. And so that's how this choice came to be. Did not know he went to the Colts. And that was the Arthur Jones was immediately the name. Oh, yeah. the guy that went to the Colts was Arthur Jones. Yeah. Did not know uh, Corey Redding also went over there. Because yeah. they all followed uh, Ch- the defensive Ch- coordinator. Ch- yeah, right. Pagano, yeah. He, uh... I forgot he was on the 0-16 Lions, which was a good went like from the 0-16 Lions to like the one year Jim Morrow was the coach of the Seahawks to back to back playoff appearances with the Ravens. So, well, there you go. There's there's a random Raven for you. The two year pretty good player Corey Reddy. Yeah, seven filled and a, sacks. Filled a, filled a role <laughs> on that team. Next week I will be up. Right? Yep, I'll be up with the random Raven. Uh, and I'll try to stump, uh, try to stump the two of you, Jace. That was a good one. So that's going to do it. Uh, we will see you guys next week after the Ravens play a third. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself on on Sunday with no Ravens, yeah. uh, no Ravens team to root for. But I'm also excited to have them play uh, a few days earlier than normally we would have to wait for them. Yeah, just so people know, the podcast will still be releasing next Tuesday. We're not going to do anything special. Um, apologies for that. You're gonna have to wait a little bit, but we want to make sure we get in a full NFL recap and uh, have really some time to marinate. So maybe I don't blow up about NFL referees again because I'm still pretty hot about that from just over 24 hours ago. If the Ravens have two more personal foul penalties, Tim gets the what's bothering Jace again, and we just give him another five minutes <laughs> about the referees. Yeah, that's fine. Done. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to Pod Like a Raven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.